Come on, let's welcome Chapel Downtown. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I want to look in the back of the room at the camera and say good morning, Chapel Downtown. So excited about what God's doing in the life of our church. Had a chance to walk around our Scott's Edition space just yesterday. So much progress happening and uh, know you're having an amazing day today. How's everybody feeling? Okay? Spring is almost here. Come on, that feels pretty good, doesn't it? Uh, I also wanted to let you know um, this weekend before we dive into the message that on Friday night, 161 students, in fact, I think we'll throw up a picture, uh, left from this place and they are on winter retreat. They had an amazing Friday and Saturday and they should be back. I'm getting texts that they're supposed to be back in 45 minutes, so I'm, I'm surprised they're going to be on time this year. Give it up for KJ. Come on. And, uh, but we heard they have had an incredible uh, weekend. Worship services Friday and Saturday. Last one this morning. My daughter FaceTimed my wife and said, it's been so fun. I just shot a gun for the first time. So we need to pray for them as well. And, uh, but um, thanks so much. We, we're a church. How many know we're a church that believes in the generations to come? Come on. I mean, that's what we're all about, right? Uh, statistics tell us most people, 80% of Christians will place their faith in Jesus before they're 20. So how many know we need to be at work in, in kids' lives, students' lives, university lives? How many know that's what we're about as a church, not just holding the faith ourselves, come on, but passing it on? Uh, to generations to come. So thanks to all you parents that are part of that. They'll be back really soon. Excited to see what God did in their lives the last couple days. And you can take out your note sheet that's there in the worship guide. And I wanted to let you know we're going to end this series next week on relationships. We'll end it with uh, David's uh, showdown with Goliath and how do we deal with enemies and obstacles in our life relationally. It'd be a great message. And then in two weeks, we're going to start a brand new series that will take us into Easter called Stories, where we look at Jesus' interaction with people and how he changed their life, how they would bump into Jesus and their life would never be the same again. And so we're going to look at different encounters Jesus had with people and we're going to do something fun too, have a chance to share some stories that are happening in people's lives in our own church. So we can't wait for that. That's in, in two weeks. But uh, today I was sort of thinking, I, I prepare ahead for a series uh, a, a couple months in advance and every once in a while I just have a whole bunch of stuff I didn't get to say. And so today I, wanted, I want you to think of it this way. Um, we're, we're, if we were to sit down with King David, and he's a grandpa, and he's looking back on his life, and he's like, man, if I had to synthesize a few things that are the most important things I would say to you about your relationships, here's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, it'd be David kind of looking back on his life and, and, and seeing what went right and what went wrong and offering us some advice. That's what we're going we're gonna to look at this weekend. And, and one of the things that we've been learning in this series is that David didn't have an easy life. How, how many know there's no such thing as an easy life? I know people say, like, it's all easy, it's great, click your heels together, love Jesus, you'll never have any problem. How many know, even if, you, even if you love God with all your heart and wear your chapel shirt every day, how many know you'll still have problems, right? That's just part of life, and, and David used these things relationally as things that, that, that shaped him and, and made a difference, and one of the things that shaped him was, was opposition from people, and, and King Saul, we, we learned this a couple weeks ago, he, he stalked David. 
And he tried to kill David, and David had to live his life looking over his shoulder, wondering, like, I wonder if today's the day it's all going to end. And, and, and David lived with that kind of uncertainty and insecurity, and yet, and yet he, he forged forward. And, and there's actually a verse towards the end of 1 Samuel, beginning of 2 Samuel, where Saul's killed on the battlefield. And this guy sees him injured, and he goes and finishes him off. And then he rushes to David. And you would think David's like this. Oh, man, the guy who's been trying to kill me is, is been taken away. My problem's removed. Good day. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to be fearful anymore. And, and, and David gets, but when David gets the news that Saul is dead, this guy shows up proudly to tell him, and David says something actually shocking. I want you to see it, Second Samuel chapter 1. Then David said to the young man who, who had brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner, an Amalekite who lives in your land. So the picture of the guy, where are you from? Oh, he's thinking, oh, the king's going to give me a big, big reward. The king's going to give me uh, uh, something special. I mean, surely this is going to, uh, he wants to know where I'm from. I, I bet he's bought me land or bought me a house. And, and, and David says this, why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? And David asked, you have condemned yourself. David said, for you, uh, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. So, so here's what, it's surprising to me that you would think, the guy's like, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> I took care of one of your problems. And David actually says to him, no, 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 that's not okay. You can't do that. And I want you to see this. He actually executes the man. It's kind of brutal. How many know the Old Testament is real deal rated R? Come on. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, David teaches us a principle that he doesn't want a king killer in the palace because he's about to become the king. How many know if they'll do it, do it with you, they'll do it to you? And he says, no, no, no. And he gets rid of that guy and teaches us this first principle. Just write it down. You got to guard your associations because you are who you run with. How many know that's part of, of life, isn't it? We are who we run with. You raise a kid who's not rebellious, but they hang out all the time with rebellious kids. Guess what? They get labeled rebellious. And in fact, they become rebellious usually. That's just a part of life. We are who we run with. And David starts off his, his rule. He's about to become the king by saying, no, 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 I'm not going to form associations like this that are on the basis of wrongdoing. And he sets up a guard in his life and he teaches us this principle. And I think if David could come back and talk to us as a grandpa today, it would be like, hey, hey, make sure you guard your heart and guard your life and guard your friendships and form the right kind of healthy association because you are who you run with. And even at a moment when you think David would be really excited, he pushes away that and he says, no, 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 I'm not, we're not the same guy. No, I, I, I let God be God. I don't play God. He's sovereign and in charge of it all. And David pushes this guy away. And it's actually interesting to me because David lives a lot of his life on the run from Saul. In fact, he lives his life on the run from Saul trying to kill him. Then he becomes king and his own son Absalom tries to. He spends a whole bunch of his life in a cave, okay? Not just in the palace or on the throne, but in a cave. And if you're taking notes this morning, would you just write this down because I think it's true in our life. Don't despise the cave because kings are shaped in the school of brokenness. How many know this weekend that God does a work in our life in times of brokenness? 
And, and we, we all want the palace and the win, but we all don't want the cave and the trouble. But here's the truth, and I know people would tell you otherwise, but part of life is going through the pain of the cave. And maybe even this weekend, downtown or in Midlothian, maybe you're, maybe you're in a cave, in a moment, in a place of brokenness, in a place of frustration, in a place you didn't want to be. But I want you to know this, God works in our life, not just in the top moments, but in the bottom moments, and he really shapes greatness in schools of brokenness, in tough places, in challenging circumstances. God works in our life in those places of brokenness. In fact, do you know that David, uh, the longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. It's in the middle of the Bible, 150 chapters, and it's a book of songs. And do you know that King David wrote half of the songs in the book of Psalms. So about 75 of the 150, 150 songs in the middle of the Bible are written by David. And he writes a few of them that are like winners. They're like big ones. Like, God is great, God is good, rah, 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 here we go, come on. They're like, raise your hand, tap your feet, here we go. But, but do you know, if you read and sing some of David's songs, he also sings and writes some songs in the book of songs that, uh, Psalms that are country western songs. Let's just have a moment of confession today, downtown and here in Midlothian. Where are, come on, you don't need to be ashamed of it or embarrassed of it. Let's just confess, raise your hand if you like country western music. Come on, hands up, we'll have a moment to respond at the end of church today, right? You know country western, right? I lost my dog, lost my wife, my truck broke down, no one cares, Pour me a glass of whiskey. You know what I mean? Like the Presbyterian songs, right? (laughs) David writes some songs with some complaints. I mean, David writes some songs with some brokenness. And the reason he can write songs about broken places in his life is because he tasted some broken moments in his life. And he uh, he can sympathize with us and empathize with us. Have you ever noticed an artist that can write or sing a song of pain? And and the reason it comes through so much to the audience is because that that singer has tasted pain. And it almost comes through in their voice when they sing it. David's that guy. He's not writing songs of struggle saying, I bet it would be interesting if somebody suffered. No, no. He's like, I bet, where are you, oh God? Because people are trying to kill me and I'm sleeping in a cave and I'm waiting for your kingdom and I'm frustrated by all this. And David's life is partly, he's shaped by the school of brokenness. And God uses the same things in our life. Broken moments, frustrating moments, challenging moments to accomplish his purpose. My, my uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law were, for many years, unable to have children. And in fact, they finally uh, came, came to just accept this, and so they started the process of adoption. And over the course of two years, they adopted my wife, and then a, a little girl and a little boy, both from separate families, but they adopted Scott and Katie, so... My wife and her brother were adopted, and they were thinking, okay, they went through the battle of infertility, uh, gone the route of adoption, went through the whole process that, that that requires, which can be arduous in some ways. And then and then they were kind of feeling like a happy family when all of a sudden my mother-in-law gets pregnant, okay? So they go from zero kids to three, to, to about to have three kids in like a year and a half. How many know that's a lot, right? You say it's a blessing of the Lord. I don't know. I mean, you know. 
zero to three in a year. Uh, that feels like a lot. And my mother-in-law, somewhere along the pregnancy, they noticed abnormalities in the little boy that was in her womb in his heart. And he, uh, he had an open heart surgery in, a, in one of the best hotels in New York City. Or, not hotels, because that would be a problem. Uh, you're like, I know the problem. Uh, no. Hospital. <laughs> Hospital. Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them you're not perfect either. Come on, just tell them. So you're not perfect either. Okay. Um, so hospitals. And, uh, and t- two days after Christopher was born, he, he didn't survive that operation. He passed away, went to be with God. And I remember, talk, I've talked to my mother-in-law and my father-in-law many times about this. Just not, they were in a place where they didn't understand where God was doing. They had accepted the fact that, um, that, that they couldn't have a child and then they were adopted. But the, 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 just the confusion of why God would allow her to get pregnant only to lose little Christopher two days in and, and all the pain they went through, all the people, they were, they were in ministry, they were leaders, they had so many people say stupid things. Let me just say one thing. Hey, I think one of the greatest gifts we can give to people in suffering is just a loving a hug and shut our mouth. Come on, somebody. How many know there ain't answers for some questions? And like some people have really bad, bad ones. So don't say anything stupid. That's a gift to people. And, but they had to wrestle with like, where was God in this? Like, why, why would he allow this? And why, why would this happen? And, and the confusion of that. I, I remember even as Katie and I were dating, there was a note on the door or a picture that was framed that was written from Christopher to his mom and dad, sort of an allegory of all that they meant. And he's in the arms of God and all that. And, um, but something happened over the next 10 or 15 years that my in-laws could have never prepared for. And that was that somewhere along the way, God would use their suffering to make a central part of their ministry comforting families that were dealing with infertility or the loss of a child. And in fact, I've talked to my father-in-law about this. He said, he never, he said I never sat down in my late 30s and thought, you know what I want to do? I want to have a big ministry to couples that have lost children. He said, I never would have thought of that, never would have dreamed of that, never would have imagined that. He said, but the issues of infertility in our culture and the issues of, of uh, infant mortality, children sick, are so, so big in our culture that what started to happen was God gave them a platform. So they shared their story on TV. He began to travel and share his story. And he actually has a little book. I've sat with him. They're not now retired in Florida and seen a book and there are 60 couples names in this book and I said Ron what are these couples names and he said these are couples that before we met with them either had no faith in God or or very surfacey faith with God and these are the names of couples that Doris and I have been able to personally lead to place their faith in Jesus Christ in moments of suffering and I said why is that so important and he said because part of Christopher's story was to give his life so that hundreds of families kids now connected to these 60 couple could be, could be Jesus-loving family. How many know God never wastes our suffering? Come on, somebody, right? It doesn't waste it. Even in the cave of brokenness, in the school of brokenness, God shapes it. Because here's why. I just write this down. I really believe that healed people heal people. And, and what God did through David's life is he used the suffering of the cave, he used the struggle, he used the difficulty, he used what he had gone through to shape him so that his story could be used to, to write songs that would comfort us for years, for, for all the years. I mean, uh, 2,500 years, these songs have been written to comfort people because God used it in David's life. But I want you to know this. David not only suffered disappointment, he suffered delay in his life. Um, where are the imper- impatient people in the room? 
Come on, impatient people. Well, you, you'll hate this because I'm impatient too. But David was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16 as a teenager, but didn't become king for years to come. In fact, look at this, 2 Samuel 5. David was how old when he became king? Come on. 30 years old when he began to be king, and he reigned 40 years. So David is told probably at the age of around 15, he's anointed king, but he's never appointed king for 15, say 15 more years, a decade and a half. There's a gap between God's promise and God's fulfillment. Anybody ever found that to be true in your life? Like God puts something on your heart that you're, you, you just sense like, man, there's something to that. And then there's this season, there's this gap of waiting in our life. And we, man, we hate waiting, don't we? Man, I, we, we are an instant culture, aren't we, right? Like what, kind, what speed of internet do you need? I need fast internet. I don't want to have it just spinning and searching and loading. I will, if it does that, I will shut it down and restart it. How many people are with me, right? Like, like I, I want things when I want. I, I'm, come on, my kids turn me on to DoorDash. How many people know what DoorDash is? It's when they bring your sins, Taco Bell, right to your door, okay? used to have to travel for mediocre food, and now it can be brought to you because of an app. And we want things fast and quick and on the spot. And how many know God doesn't oftentimes do great things in quick ways? In fact, just maybe write this down, because in, in our waiting season, in your waiting, keep on winning. <laughs> how many know a waiting season is never a wasted season? And in fact, David does all kinds of things. In this 15 years between when he's anointed and when he's appointed, he defeats Goliath. He marries, a. the Bible says Michael's a beautiful girl. He gets married to a beautiful girl. He gets an internship with a king. He amasses wealth. He wins victories. He, he builds a portfolio. I mean, all in 15 years, even though David's waiting on God to, to do everything he promised, he's not wasting that season. He's moving forward. I think we need to accept this, friends, that even in the seasons of life when there are gaps, that things are going slower than we want them to go, God is still working something in our life for his purpose. And instead of seeing these waiting seasons as wasted seasons, we need to see God doing a work in our life and stay faithful, stay, stay passionately following him, stay productive and engaged in all these ways because God uses waiting in our life. I'll never forget um, two years ago, we were at dinner at a couple from the church, a family from the church's house, and they said, what kind of ice cream do you want for dinner? And I said, well, whatever kind. And they said, I said, well, what kind do you have? And they said, well, whatever kind you want. And I said, well, I don't really understand. And, and then he passed his phone around the table, and he had a, a, an app for Amazon Prime. They lived in Church, Church Hill, and right up the road was one of Amazon's distribution centers. And you could, so we ordered ice cream, and then we went to a map where they showed the driver. We ordered in Church Hill in Richmond ice cream, and 27 minutes later, Ice cream rang the doorbell. Come on. We literally watched. Oh, they're coming. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And everybody got the ice cream they wanted. And how many know we are super impatient, aren't we? Right? In fact, if you're at Chick-fil-A and you wait in the line more than like a minute, right? They say, I'm so sorry, sir. Here's a free sandwich. And you're like, I didn't even know there was a delay. Burger King let me die in the drive-thru. Like, <laughs> like, I just literally ran out of gas. And I came with a half a tank. And 
But how many know God doesn't waste our waiting? How many know even in moments when we don't understand what he's doing, there's delays, there's detours, we need to stay faithful. How many know that to be true, right? We gotta keep our focus on what he's doing. And even in our waiting, keep on winning, keep on being faithful, keep on going after what God has for us and not waste those moments. And that is so huge. Do you know that there's this one time in David's life when, when he's on the run from Saul and he's in that waiting season and, and Saul's trying to kill him and David's hiding in a cave and, and it, it's kind of a little bit of a, of a graphic chapter in the Bible because Saul goes into the cave to go to the bathroom and he doesn't know that David and his men are in the cave. And so Saul is doing his business there in the bathroom. And David's men are like, oh, this is perfect. God's delivered Saul right to our hands, so let's kill him while he's going to the bathroom. And uh, David sneaks up on him, and the Bible says he cuts a piece of Saul's uh, garment off. And Saul leaves the cave, and when he gets across the valley onto the next mountain, David comes out of the cave, and he yells to the other mountain, Saul! And Saul turns around and he says, is that the voice of my servant David? And David says, it is. He says, man, you've been saying that I want to kill you, but he holds up the garment that, that was, and Saul looks and realizes that his garment has been cut. And he realizes David is holding it. And Saul says this. And he said to David, you're a better man than I, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. When the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he, had, when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well today for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be the king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. I want you to see this. When David had a chance to kill Saul, he understood the principle of honor and he respected Saul's position on the throne, even though Saul's character wasn't right. Write this down, last big point. I think this is true in our culture. I think we need to value honor. It's a principle that promotes. I just want to say, I think we live in a culture where dishonor is cool now. Questioning your teacher, rebelling against authority, disregarding parents. It's become like a thing that's hip. <laughs> I think we ought to like bring honor back and make it cool again, okay? So I just wanna say this this weekend, downtown Richmond, here in Midlothian. If you're a teacher here today, or you work in, a, in the school systems, thanks for serving our students. In fact, downtown, uh, hold on. If you're here and you in any way work in the school systems, uh, would you just raise your hand so we can be appreciative and thankful for you? Come on, let's thank Thank you. It's become cool to second guess your teacher. I, listen, I was in a day where if you had a problem with your teacher, I didn't come home and tell my mom because then I had a problem with two people because she was never taking my side. She was taking the teacher's side. I think there's something to this. I want to just say this downtown and here in, in Midlothian. Every weekend, three, we have three uh, uh, 
uh, uh, off-duty police officers that, that we contract in that come and help us with parking and security. And I want to say to all people involved in law enforcement, I'm thankful that we can pick up the phone, that we have people that defend us, people that go put on a uniform every day and risk their life for our safety. I'm not saying everything in the world is perfect with every police incident, but I'm, I just want to say this, man, I really believe that what you're doing is making a difference. Come on, even if they're outside, let's thank our law enforcement. Thankful for you. Now I want to go one, one step further, and I hope to make everyone mad. I think you, we ought to honor people in positions authority, even if we didn't vote for them. But, but don't you know, but, 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 but don't you know, and no, 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 and I'm just saying this. I think you can honor a position even if you don't like the person, and I think when it comes to governors and mayors and presidents and leaders in the community, I think there could be a revival of people that just say, I didn't vote for him or I didn't vote for her, but I just believe in the concept of honor, and so I'm going to show that position honor. So you can send your emails to info at chapel. RVA. In fact, let me show you what the Bible says. It says, actually, here's how big honor is. We ought to outdo one another in showing honor. Come on, let's say this verse out loud together. Ready? Here we go. Out. Literally, it's saying we ought to be competitive about showing honor. No, no, no. You go first. No, you go first. No, no, no. You go first. That means when you get in the coffee line at church in the lobby and some, you're, you're cutting somebody off, you say, no, 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 you go first. No, you, no, you, no, no, you, no. I'm waiting for a fresh pot. Go ahead, right? That means in life, that means in life, hey, I think if, if, if you're in a spot where somebody older than you comes in and there are no seats, I still believe in the days of just getting up and giving your seat away. I remember a few years ago holding the door for a girl, and she said, I can get the door myself. So I shoved it in her face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's 11.15. I've been doing this all morning, so I, did, I swear I didn't do that. I said, no, I know you, I know you can do this yourself, but like my grandpa, my grandpa was big on this, and he's in heaven looking down, and if I don't hold this door for you, I'm going to get in trouble with him one day, so... Let me just, hey, hey, I still think, guys, I think in a world that's objectified women, I think there ought to be a culture in the church that honors women. Come on, anybody believe that this weekend? That's what ought to happen. And in fact, where are the competitive people in the room this weekend? Come on, downtown. If we should compete and show, outdo one another, I'm going to do better than you at honoring you. <laughs> No, I'm going to do better than you. No, no, no. I'm going to do better than you. In fact, do you know, children, that the only commandment in the Bible that says you'll live longer of the Ten Commandments, I didn't write it, is if you honor your mom and dad, you'll live longer. Literally, it shall be, go well with you, and your years in the land will be many. Or as my mom used to say, if you don't obey me, I might just kill you right now, okay? Outdo. How many think we need to? We need to bring. I know this isn't hip, and you might think it's outdated. I just think things go better with honor, and it takes no particular talent to only find the problems in life. I think we need a culture that restores some civility and honor to the institutions, even if you don't believe in the people in that position. So you know how we're going to have an awesome opportunity between now and November to show honor.
in the election. In fact, you know this fall, I'm going to preach a series in September that is entitled, Who to Vote For? So you're going to love that, um, literally. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about outdoing one another and showing honor and being competitive. Have you ever watched the Olympics and there's like a sport that surprises you? I, I was making a list of a few sports. I didn't even know this was an Olympic sport, rope climbing. Right? In fact, I thought rope climbing was easy. They had these ropes on the beach at Virginia Beach last summer. And I was like, I'll just climb to the top. I didn't. And uh, <laughs> so I'm a big fan of rope climbing. Uh, not, not only rope climbing, I, they, they now call it artistic swimming, but it used to be called synchronized swimming. Isn't this just amazing the way they all spin and do everything right? I mean, literally. This is one of my favorites. If you haven't seen this, please YouTube it on this afternoon. How many have ever heard of fast walking? Do you know this is an Olympic sport? YouTube it. You're welcome. It's a gift I just gave you. It's when you, your, your heel has to hit first and then your foot and no two feet. So it's not running. It's just walking. It's grown adults just wiggling all over. It is amazing. This is not a lie. At our 815 service, somebody came up to me and said his daughter placed nationally. In fact, I wrote her name in, in, in fast walking. So this is actually a real sport. You know, you thought it's just what you did uh, when you're fighting for a sale or when you have to go to the bathroom. No, it's Olympics. I shouldn't have said that either. And uh, then there's one more sport that this is the sport that I sit on my couch and I think I could have been an Olympian. Come on, somebody. Come on, give me a shout out. What is this? <laughs> Curling. This is just people sweeping the ice. They just go like this. And I, I literally sitting at home going, I was like this close to bringing one home for my country. I mean, I can do that. I mean, I can do this part. This, mo this move I can't do in the middle. I don't even know what that is, but that ain't right. And uh, the Bible literally says, if you want to think of a competition, Let's outdo one another in showing honor. Hey, I'm not saying that, that you make excuse for wrongdoing. I mean, I know you could take this principle too far. You can cover up uh, hurtful authoritarian leadership. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, I think David looked at Saul and said, I'm going to honor the position. I'm going to recognize that position even if I disagree with that position. And I think there's a principle of honor that's all throughout the Bible that God has for us. And it can make a difference. In fact, I, I, I shared this about a year ago, but I, I couldn't think of a better way to close it, to kind of stick it in our minds than this. I want to give us like a way to kind of have handles to, to walk away with it. So, so here it is. First thing we need to do is honor up people in authority. People in recognition, honor up. Second thing we need to do, not just honor up, but honor down. How many know it's people who don't have authority and who don't have influence and don't have big, important positions? How many know everybody deserves to be honored, right? Honor up, honor down. You're going to love this. It's so clever. Get ready. Honor all around. I'll be here all day. Honor up. Honor down, honor all around. Do you know even Jesus honored down? In fact, I was thinking of this. Do you know there's two times in Jesus' ministry before he's 
that he has to submit to his mom. Now imagine the pressure of being Jesus' earthly mom. No pressure. Mary, good luck. He's the son of God. It's two times, actually, that he kind of disagrees with his mom. One in, one, once when he's 12 years old and he stays behind in the temple and she gets mad because he didn't tell her. And she comes back and say, he says, I must be at my father's business. And she says, well, I'm telling you what the business is now. You come with me. And he leaves and follows her. And then there's another time. It's, they're at a wedding and Jesus' public ministry has not begun. And they run out of wine at the reception. And Jesus' mother, Mary, turns to him and says, they run out of wine, do something about it. Now, we actually don't know in the scriptures how Mary even knew Jesus could multiply the wine. We have no idea how. We don't know if this is how they grocery shopped all in his upbringing. Like, Jesus, do something about it. He's like, boom. He's like, name brand or store brand or what name brand? No, boom. Like, and just the cupboards overflow. We have no idea. I mean, that probably didn't happen. But somehow Mary knows that Jesus has power in this moment to reverse the situation. And Jesus actually says to her, woman, it's not yet my time. And she goes, Jesus? And he goes, fine. And he just starts his whole public ministry because his mom told him to. Hey, how many know it's pretty, I don't have it on the screen. I should have one more slide that says, obey your mom. Come on. So how many know it's a bad deal? You'll, you'll obey your mom. You just should. I mean, I want you to think of this. The son of God rolls out his public ministry because his mom, Mary, is like, Jesus, do something about this. He's like, fine. And he just starts, like, real, for real, this is how we're going to do this, you know? I, I don't know the principle there. I guess you could take it too far, but. Somehow, even Jesus in his earthly ministry was willing to submit to authority in his mother. How many, know if G How many know you're not better than Jesus? I hope we know that or we'll change the whole next series, right? There is a God and you are not him, you know? Like Jesus, Jesus honored up, but Jesus also honored down. Being the son of God, he chose to put himself under, honor up, honor down. Honor all around. Come on, here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to honor up. We're going to honor down. We're going to honor all around. So I wonder if you would do one thing with me this morning that's undignified. I wonder if you would join me in honoring up, honoring down, and honoring all around. You say, you want me to twirl in church? I do, Yeah. Okay, come on, downtown. Let's stand together. Come on, let's stand together, okay? We're going to do this twice together. And if you can't, now, now, there are some people that can't spin. Don't try it and get in trouble, okay? Just do it in your heart or move your neck, okay? Come on, help me out. We're going to do it twice together all at once. Ready? Come on, we're going to what? Come on, we're going to honor up. Come on, we're going to all around. That was so good. Some of you are still spinning in the back. You should be done by now. Come on, one more time, and then we're, I'm going to turn it back over to downtown. Come on, everybody. Here we go. We're going to honor. We're going to honor. We're going to honor all around.